You're listening to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today, we return to the monthly series, Back to the Future, in which we discuss the renewed interest in traditional approaches to food, farming, and natural resource preservation. Today, we are speaking with Diane O'Shea, retired farmer and family studies teacher and professional home economist in Ontario. Welcome, Diane. Thank you, Peggy. Great to be here. So delighted to have you. Diane, we'll kick off the show with happy memories in agri-food. And I'm wondering how long have you been farming and supporting farmers? Well, Peggy, I would have to say it seems like forever. (laughs) I grew up on a farm, but really moved into agriculture when I married my husband, Mike. And uh, I have to say it's almost 50 years ago. I can hardly believe I'm saying that. I hung up that part of my life, I guess, about 10 years ago. My work with family studies education had increased and we needed to make space for the next generation. Although I have to say, it seems to me like we still live and breathe agriculture because three of our four children are actively involved in farming operations. How wonderful. So your whole life, me too. I'm a farm girl from the meadows of uh, Middlesex County and watching the seasons change. uh, How how wonderful for you and your husband to have three of your four children still interested in agriculture, because that is a a bit of a problem that we're going to be facing, not only the average age of the Ontario farmer, but uh, the succession planning for it. And I'm wondering, Diane, what's changed and what stayed the same since you started farming? So this is a really interesting question. And I think the automatic first response was technology. I mean, when I look at what our kids use, the tools and so on that they use now as, as compared to, I'll say almost 50 years ago. I mean, it's, it's absolutely phenomenal, in some ways overwhelming, unbelievable. And then I was thinking about, it seems like there's been a lot more consciousness about environmental issues. But I really feel that there is a better sense and of responsibility when it comes to environmental stewardship. Other thing I really got thinking about, which I think is phenomenally changed, is the recognition of women in agriculture. 50 years ago, when I was trying to work with other people in agriculture in the classroom kinds of endeavors, it was very, very challenging for women to be recognized in in what they were doing, providing, thinking, leading, whatever it might be. And I watch and listen to what uh, women are doing today and how they're recognized and how they're so much more part of things. It's a quite a change from 40 to 50 years ago. Right. And then what stayed the same, Diane? Up until, you know, just a couple of years ago, one of the things that really bothered me was prices. You know, what farmers were getting for a bushel of wheat or a bushel of corn or whatever had stayed relatively the same. And we're seeing some radical things happening right now. But I also know that on the flip side, the um, costs are just horrendous. I know our one son was lamenting about the cost of fertilizer just alone this spring and the up and down changes. The financial thing is always uh, has always been that pressure, I guess. That would be one of the, the worries that still remains the same. Right, right. And we have this interesting contrast where we have, you know, people who truly love the land 
They love animals. They love farming. Uh, contrasted against commodity-based living. And I always have thought farmers and, and households are the same. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to pay their mortgages and they're trying to have a good life. And they're, they're both yeah. price takers in a way. The market sets what, uh, what they yes. do for things. Yeah. It's very commodified. So it's uh, wonderful that we have all the farmers out there crusading forward as we do. And so then, Diane, what is one thing you'd like listeners to know about farmers or farming? Farmers are truly risk takers and it doesn't matter whether it's risk, you know, related to weather. Climate change has made some phenomenal changes to the, the way we live. Another one is the unexpected diseases. Like I look at the issues with the avian flu that we've just been experiencing. I mean, who would have predicted? Who would have known? And even when you think about the pandemic, like, yeah, farmers are just truly risk takers in every way, shape and form. Yes, I think that the nature that farmers work in, the sun rises and sets, there's always a new day. It's almost, it mirrors the ideology of it'll be better next year, this eternal optimism. And I'm going to try this or I'm going to try that. So let's just shift our focus slightly to family studies. You're a retired mm -hmm. family studies teacher. Yeah. And when did you start teaching and what was it like then? So it was the late 90s. And we had taken some really bad hits with the 80s, with high interest rates and all those things that we had no control over. And so I started back to school and then and started to teach family studies in, in London and um, had a couple of years there and then eventually moved out to uh, uh, Medway High School where I spent the bulk of my um, high school teaching career. Uh, along the way, I was approached to teach at the Faculty of Education at Western, and I spent um, 19 years doing that, uh, working with the uh, future family studies teachers, and I really, really loved um, doing that particular job as well. Uh, certainly, there's been lots of changes. The thing about family studies is home ec, that's what really it is. Uh, I guess that the thing that's always appealed to me is the dynamics of the uh, field constantly changing. As an educator, you you really had to be updating yourself, going to uh, conferences, whatever it was. So there was always great stuff new happening and, and uh, being able to be a part of. Family studies offered ways that I could involve students in social justice kinds of things, which I really liked. Yeah, it, it really is a fascinating area. And as you um, mentioned, evergreen, really, there, there's so many things and so many dimensions. And what is one of the most important family studies lessons that we should all revive in our daily lives? I think I would come down to thinking about the importance of choosing nutrient-dense foods. And so with that, thinking about being a good decision maker, being able to look at things with a critical eye, and look at different perspectives. And, and I mean, those are some of the very fundamentals of um, family studies. Even in thinking about decision around foods, that, okay, so what are the nutrient-dense foods? Not saying that we should never have a chocolate chip cookie. No, 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 no. Um, we need to practice balance and moderation. You know, how can we select nutrient-dense foods that um, are going to be good choices for our body, but within, you know, other parameters. And I guess that sort of brings in some of the financial skills as well. But so much of it comes back to that critical thinking and weighing pros and cons. And those were some of the very basic things that I was doing with family studies education. 
That's wonderful. Cost and value are very different things. But also one of the things that resonated for me when you were speaking is this notion of being able to find balance when you're able to answer your own questions. That I, I love treats and I'm really going to have, you know, a piece of pie or whatever it is that uh, yeah. I look forward to and enjoy it and love it. And yet the dashboard of what I've consumed throughout the week is a healthy pattern of eating. So I don't have to think about excluding certain no. foods. You know, we've become afraid of food and we have decided we're, I'm never eating X, Y, or Z again. And I, I'm not talking about clinical specialties where you really can't, something's going to interact with your meds or there's something going to react, your body can't tolerate it. And we're not talking about that. No, no. About just this balance we can find yeah. um, with this uh, family studies and, and as you specifically mentioned nutrition education so about education starting in September 2022 there's going to be hands-on food literacy part of the Ontario curriculum for students in grades uh, one to eight and also a part of the grade nine science curriculum my next question is what from the good old days do you hope reappears in the food literacy education well I have to say the experiential learning bottom line and that employing skills, you know, really getting in there and experiencing a food and whether it's, you know, the idea of growing something or producing something or experimenting with something, really, really hope that that emphasis comes through. Letting um, kids experiment and taste and not worrying if we don't get the perfect whatever it might be, but just, you know, having that, the experience and the hands-on. I hope those things will carry through. I hope, I hope that there will be a, a better return to the likes of field trips, experiences like that, that really help children and adults and their families understanding more about food, valuing food, appreciating food, where it's coming from, what goes into producing it, and how we should value it. I, I couldn't agree more that discovering our communities, discovering our province, our nation and our world and where food comes from and what the growing process is. And they're, as you say, really appreciating not just the food, but the farmers. Thank you so, so very, very much, Diane. Uh, that was great. After the break, we'll focus on finding your place at the table with Diane O'Shea, retired farmer and family studies teacher and Ontario home economist. This is Food for the Future. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, home economist. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. Welcome back. I'm Peggy O'Neill. You're listening to Food for the Future. Diane O'Shea, retired family studies teacher and Ontario home economist, shares her expertise on finding your place at the table in today's busy food environment. Diane, when I approached you about coming on the show, you immediately thought of pleasant mealtimes, table setting, and really finding your place at the table. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. I, I really have been a, an advocate for this whole idea of having your place at the table. I guess it's because, in my opinion, food needs to be a priority. There needs to be thoughtful consideration of what we eat, when we eat, who we eat with, all of those kinds of things. I mean, I think we recognize that food is really important to sustain our bodies, to allow us to work and play, you know, and that whole understanding of, of nutrition is really important. But the thing that I think that we're missing is the importance of how food is such a catalyst to other aspects of our life. So it's that gathering around that the table, it's the having the conversations, and even and I think this is really important, having your particular place where you sit. 
mean, that has a powerful meaning in sense of belonging. We talk about, you know, issues around mental health. I really think that food can be a wonderful catalyst to helping us, us through. This idea of, of being together, having your place, having that sense of belonging, surrounded with good food. I mean, it's just tremendous opportunities with it. Yeah, and, and I agree with you, Diane. As you said, these this reconnection with our families and having our place, we always sit here or what have you, that it gives us a place to be that is ours. And I think that that's a really great jumping off point in terms of, you know, our, our experience in the world. So mm -hmm. I, I love that idea. And Diane, what advice, once you're at the table and you're at your place, what's some of your advice for us to create a pleasant meal experience? And I remember teaching my students that we eat with our eyes and really thinking about how food is presented can have quite a psychological effect even how you arrange the food on the plate or maybe it's the colors that the, those kinds of things really do play a role and it doesn't have to be elaborate by by any means but just to have that consciousness that um it's okay to throw some i don't know, chop herbs on top it's okay to kind of give that little bit of pizzazz it's okay to put a piece of lemon in water and have spa water you know it's just it's ju just doing some of those fun kind of things. And again, I'm, I'm not advocating that that's something that you have to do day in and day out, but just, just taking enjoyment from the, the other things besides the food that really make a meal. Right. And then looking for those little points of emphasis, whether that's one meal, lemon in the water, if it's another meal, a little bit of parsley on the potatoes, if it's another meal, perhaps uh, while you were out for a walk, there's uh, violets, so woodland flowers, yeah. little purple violets, or maybe daisies are out now. And if you picked a couple of those, even just putting them in a glass, and it's something new to look forward to in it, an interesting point. And it's just that little bit extra that helps, I think, add that emphasis and um, brightness to our day. Yeah. And we are living in such a busy world so why should we set the table and it doesn't necessarily need to be the finest china and you know crystal or anything like that but why should we set the table well i think that it's you know the importance of taking the time and we've come to recognize and i'll go back to mental health and well-being as something that we really do need to be mindful of and you know this is just a simple way that maybe we can be taking a break, calming ourselves, really tasting the food, you know, and appreciating the food, just setting up, I guess you could say, the possibility of just taking a breather. I mean, it could be a peanut butter sandwich for goodness sakes, right? But just appreciating the taste, the feels, the sensations, whatever it is. Yeah, I, I think that would be great to do as well. And as you say, it's, it's about the presentation. It's the experience of having the meal. So it's not the um, requirement exactly. biologically to consume food, that it is something more. It creates it something more. It reminds us that we are creators and not just consumers, not just when it comes right. to food, but many, right. many other things. Diane, we take a humanities approach on the show. And I'm wondering, um, so that would mean philosophy, history, and creativity. So how do these sort of fields relate to finding your place at the table? Well, I think it relates to, you know, the whole socio-emotional growth and development having the conversations, having conversations eye to eye, you know, learning from one another, learning from 
the experiences or the things that are on individuals' minds. And, you know, the creativity, you know, good old Maslow said that that being creative was a very healthy part of, of living. And so ha having some fun with how the food's presented or that those things really bring together not just food for the physical needs, but food for those socio-emotional needs and, and the whole psychological impact that does a lot in terms of helping us understand who we are, where we fit in, our sense of belonging, all those kinds of things. So it's taking food in a much broader perspective, which is really what um, you know social sciences and humanities does, encompassing different aspects of it that we sometimes don't really realize or, or think about. We tend to think about, just gotta eat, satisfy the hunger, get out the door, you know, but there's so much more. It really, really is. And I was thinking you had mentioned Maslow all the way at the top is uh, self-actualization. Yeah. So your yes. ability to kind of reconcile many things below that, not just the nourishing the body, but all the other things you talked about. It's just very, it is very poetic in many ways. And I think it's important for us to remember that. And this show, Diane, is called Food for the Future. And why does finding your place at the table fit with the future of food and nutrition? I think we really need to value food. And if the pandemic has taught us anything, I hope it's opened our eyes to appreciating what we have to eat, who is producing it, how it does come to our grocery stores, all of those things. Like nutrition is definitely important, but I think, and I hope we don't lose it, I hope that that meaning has come through. Really interesting, um, Peggy, just within the last week, I don't know what the discussion was about, but this lady said to me, she said, I'll never forget her son working on our farm and him coming home and saying, Mom, I'm never going to take a basket of strawberries for granted again. If people had any idea what, what it takes to get those strawberries to the market, uh, they, would, they would see food in a completely different place. And here he, you know, was years later, this story is still resonating. So I think in terms of the future of food and nutrition, I hope that we have come to appreciate and value our food, truly appreciating these basic foods, realizing their value, not just nutritionally, but um, psychologically as well. I couldn't agree with you more, looking at it, not just for um, its use, but it's symbolic significance and its connection to the land and its culture and our communities, everything, our communities, each other. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Diana, are there any final thoughts that you'd like to share with listeners? Well, it's funny because today I, I thought we really need to take our food outside. I really think we need to do more in terms of picnics, taking that coffee or tea down, you know, by the river, um, just taking our food outside and then, and enjoying the outdoors and eating outdoors. And again, Peggy, it doesn't have to be elaborate. We are so fortunate with you know, the, the parks that we have, the conservation areas, where they set up picnic tables. We don't even need picnic tables for heaven's sakes. Blankets work. But <laughs> getting outside 
and, and taking that food and enjoying that food with us. What a wonderful message, and particularly this, this time of year, but really any time of year, to uh, take the food back to the context in which it was produced in nature, close to the soil, the fresh air, the sun. What a, what a wonderful final thought, Diane. Thank you so much for our conversation today. It's left me with a lot of hope, but also happiness. And I, I love the possibilities of continuing to find my place at the table. And thank you so much for inspiring us all. Good pleasure. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking about happy memories in agri-food and how to find your place at the table in today's busy food context with Diane O'Shea, retired farmer and family studies teacher and Ontario home economist. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about, what changes could you make to improve your place at the table? Something to do, visit ohea.on.ca to find out what home economists in our community and across the province are doing in agri-food, healthy eating, and lots more. Next week on the show, we return to the series Food for Thought, in which we discuss big ideas about food in order to raise the conversation level and find the way forward together. We'll be speaking with Alfred Aziz, Director General, Office of Nutrition Policy and Promotion at Health Canada, about new Canadian dietary guidelines for health professionals and policymakers. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, Home Economist, and you've been listening to the weekly show, Food for the Future. Thank you to our platinum-level sponsors, Burn Bray Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca.